It's a privilege to be here this morning. Um, <clears throat> I do have my microphone on. You guys can hear me now. Uh, and, uh, you know, um, it was really, thank you, Mr. Webb, for that, um, that music. It was really touching um, to see that ministry that, that you must have with the people that, that are around you. Um, another ministry that, that I'm going to have a privilege of being involved with this year is um, this summer I get to go on a missions trip, and I'm really looking forward to that. I get to go over to New Zealand, and uh, we'd really appreciate your prayers for that trip as we're preparing our hearts and uh, to work over there. Last night, in fact, this whole week, we got a chance to meet one of the missionaries that we're going to be working with. Um, some of you know Amy Pruitt, goes to school here. Um, her, her father was over here, and he's going to be one of the missionaries we're going to be working with in the churches over there. And it was an incredible privilege to be able to meet him and to be able to begin to talk to him about the work we're going to be doing over there. And some of the things that we're going to be doing is, um, and the main thing that we're going to be doing is we're going to get to work in, uh, in church, in the churches over there, and just begin to come alongside the, the Christians that are over there and the churches that is established over there and be able to come alongside them and encourage them and be able to, uh, to do the work there. So that's really an encouraging thing um, to be able to do that. Uh, the Apostle Paul... Um, as, as we all know, was an incredible missionary. He, uh, he, he went on many missionary journeys, started many churches, encouraged many believers. And, and he, uh, in fact, wrote this book of Ephesians that we're going to be talking about this morning. We're going to be talking about a passage in Ephesians. And uh, when he wrote this book, he, um, he was in prison. He had, he had visited them um, a few years earlier, and he'd, he instructed them in some ways of the Christian life, Christian walk. And uh, now he, he had the opportunity to come back and uh, write this message to him and send this letter out to him to, to remind him of the things that he taught them when he was there because he obviously gotten some reports back that, uh, that they'd begin to walk in a way that wasn't worthy of, of the calling of Jesus Christ in their lives. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. If you guys want to turn there, Ephesians 4, 17. And we're going to be looking at two things. We're going to be looking at how um, Paul's telling us how Christian, and as Christians we should not walk. He gives us a few reminders. He gives the Ephesian church here a few reminders of how they shouldn't walk when he would, before he came to them, how they were walking. He says, do not go back to that. And then on the other side, he's going to give them a few reminders of how to walk. And uh, as a way of introduction, uh, the Ephesians, if you've ever studied it, is a pretty incredible book. The first three chapters of Ephesians is broken down into, uh, into doctrine, into instruction. And then this, the last three chapters are broken up into very practical, um, how, to put those, how to put that doctrine into practice. You know, I'm reminded of, uh, of, of football, football camp, um, as far as, uh, um, like, I want to say spring training, but that's baseball, like preseason football and the pro camps. Um, I guess we could uh, look at any team this morning, but... Uh, one team comes to mind, the Washington Redskins, um, as a team. And, uh, you know, I, I don't really like the Washington Redskins, but uh, they are arch rivals of my favorite team, the Dallas Cowboys, so that's why I'm going to use them as an example this morning. And uh, if you think about it, Washington Redskins gather together in June or whatever. I, you know, I don't really know exactly when they do. I think it's around June, sometime in the summer. And they come together, and they're able to... Uh, to, to go and, and, and go into a room somewhere and sit down. You have all the offensive 
um, people who make up the offensive unit sitting down in one room. And I'm sure the, the coaching staff brings a big manual, gives it to everybody and says, okay, this is, this is what we're going to do. This season, we have a lot of new plays. We have a lot of new things that we're going to um, want to incorporate into our offense. And so this is, this is it. This is, the, this is the offensive plan. This is what I'm going give to you, give you as a team to be able to, um, to go out and uh, to win some football games. And so they spend a few, few days, a couple weeks maybe, I don't know, looking at these things, looking over, going through, looking at these plays. And when the, when the time comes, um, then they take that, what they've learned, and they go out onto the field, and they begin to practice and put those plays into practice. They begin to run through some plays and run through some scrimmages. Well, let's say that they, uh, they just took that, that manual and studied all the plays, but never actually made it out on the field. And here comes the first day of the season, and they have all this knowledge. They have all this, this is how we're going to do it. This is what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to be able to um, do this play and do this play and do this play. But they've never actually been out in the field and never actually practiced it. Um, they're probably not going to do very good. They're probably going to do, um, in fact, worse than they probably would do anyways. Um, but, but let's just say that they never did that. Um, I think that's what Paul, Paul here was really good in doing that. The first three chapters of the book of Ephesians is instruction, it's doctrine, it's theology. It's, it's Paul telling the people, this is what you guys need to do in your Christian life. And then the last three books, or last three chapters, 4, 5, and 6, is Paul's, Paul telling these people, okay, now, now that you know what to do, this is how you do it. And he gives them some really practical ideas. Well, the passage we're going to be looking at this morning in, uh, in Ephesians chapter 4 is really focusing down on the Christian's walk and how should we walk in Jesus Christ. And uh, let's just, uh, if you will look down at the text, starting in, in verse 17, let's just read that through together. It says this, This I say, therefore, and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality, for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Jesus Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Will you pray with me this morning? God in heaven, what a privilege it is to come and open your word, be able to stand in front of my peers, my friends, and, uh, and be able to just talk about the truth that's in your word this morning. Father, we pray that you'll just use my words and, uh, and use my, my stumbling over the text, Lord, to just encourage us this morning. I pray that you'll convict us with your Holy Spirit, the truth that's in your word, and allow us to take what we learned this morning and begin to put that out into practice in our lives. Go out in the field and begin to put that into practice in our lives, Lord. Pray now that you go with us in the next few minutes and allow us to um, be focused on your word. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Starting off in verse 17, Paul's going to um, write this reminder to the saints here. He's going to give them three things, reminding them of how not to walk in Christ. And if you look at verse 17, he says, This I say, therefore... 
and firm together with the Lord. Now, when you see this, when you see the word, you know, this I say, therefore, we kind of understand that maybe he had already instructed them in this, and he's reminding them of it. And he's telling them, what I just written, now you begin to, begin to put this into, into practice. That's what he's saying here. Um, he, says, he says, And I firm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind. This, this idea of the Gentiles here, when I first read this, I was kind of confused. I was like, is he saying, I thought Paul, I thought these were, I thought they were um, Gentiles here in, in Ephesus. Um, and I, so I was kind of confused. What is he talking about here? And I, I kind of understood that, um, I, or I thought that he, maybe he was just talking about non-Jews, Gentiles. That's kind of what the idea that I had. And as I began to study it, I, I figured that it probably wasn't that. Because why would he be um, saying walk no longer as a Gentiles if he's talking to Gentiles? And um, so, and looking a little bit at further, the idea of Gentiles here is this whole idea of ungodly people. The people that, um, these, these unsaved people, these people that do not know Jesus Christ. Because at this time, Paul had actually accepted the Gentiles, or, or the church had actually accepted Gentiles into um, the Christian lifestyle. And they began to um, incorporate them in their worship. So, <clears throat> I think when he says Gentiles here, he's talking about ungodly, unsaved people. He says, Do not walk as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind. This idea of walk here is just the behavior, and that's pretty pretty straightforward and everything that you do um, as far as what you think and how you go about living that out. That's what he's talking about. Don't behave in this way. And then he goes on and he says, um, in the futility of your mind, I think really this is the main point that Paul's trying to get across here. This idea of futility is the idea of vanity or the idea of, of setting forth a goal in front of yourself that is, that is unattainable. Uh, in other words, if you're a Christian, if you've come to know Jesus Christ, what should your goal be? What should the goal be that you're setting out in front of yourself? It should be Jesus Christ. But these people in the church here have obviously set something else out there as their goal in, in place of Jesus Christ. And he's saying, saying, do not walk in that way, in that futility, in that unattainableness, if that's the word. Do not, a goal that's not attainable is what he's saying. Do not walk in that. And then he goes on to list three things of how walking in futility is not pleasing to the Lord. Walking in futility is not how the Christian should walk. And the first thing that we'll see here, then, is if we look in verse 18. It says, um, do not walk in the futility of your mind. It says in verse 18, being darkened in your understanding. In the first part there. That's the first way that if, we're walk, if these people are walking in futility, that the first thing that's going to do to them is going to darken their understanding. And this whole idea here is, uh, last year I took a, a year of Greek with Dr. Halstead, and... Uh, I must admit, I didn't, I didn't, I don't know Greek as well as I'd like to after that year. Um, but uh, I, I, one thing here that that I think is really important, if we look this this idea of um, darkening in their understanding. And in fact, the three things we're looking at all are in the the perfect tense in Greek. And the perfect tense is real neat because it's kind of um, saying that there's some time in the past this event happened. This event happened sometime back here in the past. But the effects are being felt in the future. In the present and in the future, the effects are being felt. A real ex- good example is, is Jesus Christ's work on the cross. This is a, an event that happened somewhere in the past. Uh, at a certain time in the past, this event happened. But certainly the effects are being felt to the present, and then they're certainly being felt into the future. And this is the idea of the perfect tense. And Paul's saying the same thing here. He's saying, if you're walking in the futility of 
fertility of your mind, you're going to be darkened in your understanding. This event happened back here when they, when they were born into sin. They were born into the darkness of their understanding. Only when they became, came to the point where they knew Jesus Christ as their personal Savior did this darkness, did this darkness leave them. Paul is saying, don't go back to that. He's saying, live now. You have Jesus Christ. Live and walk in Jesus Christ. Don't go back to once where you had your, uh, when your understanding was darkened. Um, an example of this is, is uh, over in Matthew, if you want to flip over there. Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20, verse 29. It's, uh, it's a story of, the, of two blind men. Matthew chapter 20, verse 29 and following. It's a story of uh, these two blind men, and Jesus comes and he sees them. And uh, we won't read it, we'll just kind of look at it here. And it says, two men are sitting by the road, and, uh, and they see Christ come by, and they know him. They say, Lord, they say, here we are, have mercy on us. And, uh, and Jesus, down in verse 32, says, what do, you want, what do you want me to do for you? And these two men look back at Christ, and they say, Lord, we want our eyes to be opened. And Christ looks back at them, and he says, and moved with compassion. Jesus touched their eyes, and immediately they regained their sight and followed him. This whole idea of these two guys who probably, we don't know for sure, doesn't say, but they're probably blind their whole lives. Sitting, um, probably not working, probably just sitting around. And here comes, they've heard of this, this Christ that can come and that heals men. And they hear that He's coming. So they're just, they, they hear Him they say, there He is, there He is. Maybe we can call over here. Maybe we can get healed. And they do. Jesus touches their eyes and they... And uh, the, the blindness leaves them and they can see now. Um, and I'm sure they went out and they just were, were, were stoked. I mean, think about it. You're, you're, you're blind your whole life and you get to see. Um, but let's say, what if these two guys, after being healed, go out and, and decide that, uh, you know, I've been dark, I've been blind my whole life, I can't understand, I can't see my whole life, and then um, now I have sight, but, but I don't know what to do. You know, it kind of scares me. I kind of see these things around, and I kind of, I kind of, I don't know how to react to that. So these guys go out, let's just say, and they go out and they, they buy blindfolds and stick the blindfolds on. And they begin to wear these blindfolds around. And everyone's looking at them and go, there's those two blind guys who were able to see, and now they've got blindfolds on. What's the deal? Don't they want to be able to see? Um, we think, that's kind of silly. Um, why would they do that? I mean, they got something they wanted their whole life. And now they went and put blindfolds on. They're in the same place they were before. But do we do that in our, in our, in our spiritual life, in our Christian life, in our Christian walk? Um, we've come to the place that, that Christ has given us um, sight. We've come to see Jesus Christ. The spiritual darkness have left us. We've come to a place now. But how many times do we go out and we get a spiritual blindfold and stick it on? Stick it on our face. So we're, we're, we're darkening in our understanding. We're darkening in the whole idea of we can't see God. We can't see Christ. We can't see the truth. We can't see the light because we have these spiritual blindfolds on. So the first thing then, then Paul says is if you're walking in futility, it's leading to the darkening of your understanding. The second part of verse 18, further he goes on, he says, you'll be excluded from the life of God. Because of the ignorance that is in them. Because of the hardness of your heart. So the second thing then is, the first thing is you'll be darkening your understanding. The second thing is, is you'll be excluded from the life of God. 
And that's logical, don't you think? If you can't see the Lord, you can't see His light, if you're cut off from Him, then how can you, have a, how can you live with Him? How can you have a relationship with Him? Um, like I said, I'm going on a mission trip this summer, and I, I, I'm, I'm really excited about it. Um, and we've been preparing, and, and it's a neat experience to, to go from January to now to the time we leave on our trip, just preparing our hearts for that. But another thing that we need to prepare for is we need to prepare for the culture that we're going to go into. And I think that's really important. Because if we prepare spiritually, I'm sure the Lord could, the Lord could really use us. But if we prepare for the culture that we're going to go, if we understand the types of food that they eat and the things they do for fun, and, uh, and this sort of thing, how much more of effective ministry can we have if we understand the culture that we're going to go into? And um, it's the same thing with God. If, if, we, if we have a life with God, and, and we don't really understand who He is, if, we don't, if, we, if our eyes are kind of darkened and kind of blind to who God is, um, it kind of hindrances from our relationship, from our walk with Him. So if we take off that spiritual blindfold, then we're able to have, we're freed up to have a better relationship with Him. And that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying, because of this darkness of your understanding, it's going to begin to exclude you from this life of God. Further, he goes on in, in, uh, in verse 19, he says, And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. The third thing, then, we see that happens when we walk in futility is, is this callousing of their behavior. Now, this whole idea of, of being spiritually dark and being excluded from the life of God leads right into this callousing behavior. Um, an idea that, that kind of came to my mind is have you ever been roller skating? Um, you, you, you go and it's this amazing thing. You go and you pay money to put on somebody else's skates that's been worn by thousands of other people and ride around a little circle for two hours. And when you get, when you get done, you take these skates off and you got, what do you got right on the, the bottom of your foot right there? got this big blister, right? you got this big blister on the bottom of your foot. And it hurts. It hurts. It really does. Because, you know, how, how many of us go skating, you know, once a year, twice a year? That's the idea. And because we haven't built up anything on our foot, so we, our foot is really tender in that area. So we get this callus on it. Now, let's say we, we went roller skating every day for a month. At the end of that month, and we come out and we take off our skate looking down, expecting to see a blister there. But what's there instead of the blister? A callus. A callus is built upon our foot because of the fact that we've done the same thing, we've done the same motion around this roller skating, around this roller skating ring for a month, every day. And instead of this blister, instead of our skin being real tender there, it's, it's, become, it's become rough, it's become hard, and we've built up this callus. So what is the, what is the point of the callus thing? The point of the callus is, is to to cut off some sort of feeling, to cut off the feeling that you get from this, uh, from this, this pain of this blister. And, uh, it's a, and Paul, I think, uses this word, and it's really, a, it's really a neat word here, that he uses this, this idea of callousing, this idea of, of cutting yourself off from God, not feeling who God is. Because you so much cut yourself off, day after day after day after day, you built up this callous in your relationship with God. And you can't, you're not able to, uh, to feel who God is anymore. John Piper uh, has a quote and it says this. It says, Sin is what we do when our hearts are not satisfied with God. 
I'll read it again. Sin is what we do when our hearts are not satisfied with God. It's this idea of this callous, um, putting things in place of God, not being satisfied with God, and building up this callousness. Um, and so the result is sin. In fact, um, there's so much non-feeling there that this, that this, we don't even feel the conviction of our sin anymore. We've come to the place where when we first started feeling the sin, when we first started um, walking this futility, um, or, the, or the church in Ephesians, Paul is saying that you guys at first, you're walking in Christ. And slowly you begin to, begin to sin, slowly you begin to sin. And you've been in your sin so long, you've built up this callous, you're not feeling the conviction of your sin anymore. So you just continue to sin and continue to sin and continue to sin. It's a convicting thought for me. Um, I, I wonder how many times I do that. How many times I, uh, I'm going about in life and, and, I, and I feel a conviction of my sin and I ignore it. And I say, nah, um, God can't possibly be convicting. It's not that big of a deal. And so I ignore it. And eventually the, the conviction goes away. You know? And, and, and I'm just living and walking in that sin. Because I've cut myself off from God. I, and it's only by, by God's grace that He's able to, to renew our relationship with Him. And uh, through other believers and through His Word, that we're able to, to kind of scruff away that callous and be able to get feeling back in there in that relationship with God. So Paul then here tells us three things of, of walking in uh, walking in futility leads to three things. And, you know, being a youth ministries major and uh, really looking forward to getting into ministry full time, I'm really burdened with, uh, with just high school students and even college students. And, you know, um, how many times when you're growing up, were you in youth group or are you even at home or something, and your parents parents or a youth pastor or whatever would just say, you know, don't do this. Don't listen to that kind of music. Don't go to see that kind of movie. Excuse me. Don't, don't, uh, uh, don't disobey your parents. You know, a youth pastor would say that. Um, how many times did they tell you to do that? And how many times did you just resent it? You're just like, well, don't tell me what not to do. Um, I think so often we do that. I do that as a youth pastor, or trained to be a youth pastor, working in ministry, and my parents have done that to me, and we, it's a kind of a resentful feeling we have when they just give us a list of don'ts, don'ts, don'ts. Um, so I think Paul is pretty aware of that, even in his time, and he says, he just said, don't do this, but in the contrary of that, he's coming right back and he's going to say, but do this. And we see that in verse 20. It says, but you did not learn Christ in this way. You did not learn Him in this way. When I came to you, I taught you about Jesus Christ. I taught you certain truths, certain doctrines. And you didn't, you didn't learn. I know, because I'm the one that taught you. You didn't learn it in this way. He says, Haven't you for, have you forgot the things that I taught you? And then he says, he goes on to give him three, uh, three reminders now of the way that he did tell him to walk and three things that they can do practically in their walk with Christ. Look in verse 21. It says, or look at verse 20. We'll review that. It says, But you did not learn Christ in this way. It says, If indeed you have heard Him and have been taught in Him. In other words, you have been, because I'm the one that taught you. It says, 
Just as the truth is in Jesus. I taught you to be like Jesus, is what he's saying. And he goes on to say that in, your, that in reference to your former manner of life, when you lay aside your old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. So the first thing then Paul tells them to do is to lay aside their old self. And that's what we just talked about. This whole darkening of understanding and being excluded from the life of God and callousing their behavior. He's saying, lay that aside, put that aside. Take that off. It's a, it's, I think it's a, it's a pretty simple thing. It's not, it's not a... When we come to know Christ, it, we're able to just take off who we used to be and lay that aside. Certainly, we still feel the effects, and we see that as an example here. These people were still feeling the effects of their sin, but he's saying, put that aside, lay that aside. Remember uh, Mr. Rogers, remember that show? Uh, you know, he came on every, every, every week or whatever, and he'd sing that little song. And I won't sing the little song, but uh, maybe have Bert up here and sing a little song, but... No, we won't sing a little song. But you come to see, you guys know a little song. And, uh, and, but you guys remember, he comes out, and he's walking in, and he's singing the song, and he, what does he do? He takes off his jacket, and he goes to the closet, and he pulls the hanger out, and hangs it up, and he takes out the little sweater, right, the little baby blue sweater, and sticks that on. And then next, he goes and sits down on the couch, and takes off his shoes, his, like, working shoes or whatever, whatever he did, and puts them up on the closet, and right next to him, he takes down uh, his, like, house slipper shoes and puts those on. Well, the idea here is that, is that it, was a, it was a pretty simple thing, right? He just, as he was singing the song, he just takes this jacket off and puts it in the closet. And that's the same idea here, I think. Paul is saying, take off this old self. Just take it off. Just lay it aside. It's a pretty simple action. Just lay it aside. Um, it's saying... If you look um, in verse 22, it says, Lay aside the old self which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. This whole idea with, with being corrupted in lust of deceit is the remnants of their old self before they knew Jesus Christ. The idea of, the idea of they're once over here in sin, excluded from the life of God, and they came to the point where they knew Jesus Christ as their Savior and their Lord. And at that point, they got a new man. They got a new self. They got a new nature. And what Paul's saying here is not that there's two natures in there. What he's saying is that you have a new nature, but you're still feeling the effects of your old nature. Your old self is still affecting who you are and your character. What he's saying is just lay that aside. Lay aside that old self. Further, it says, which is being corrupted in the accordance with the lust of deceit. This whole idea of this lust of deceit is when... Uh, is, is this whole idea of, of Eve. Um, if you look... Well, don't, don't turn there. I'll just turn there real fast. Over in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We read, uh, we read about Adam and Eve here. Um, 11.3, it says, it says, But I am afraid, lest the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds should be led astray from the simplicity and the, impu- and the purity of devotion to Christ. So he's comparing how Eve was deceived and corrupted. He's comparing that to our minds. And it's the same idea here. He's saying, he's saying, do not be deceived in accordance, or do not be corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. Do not be deceived like Eve was. But lay that aside. So then the first thing he says to do is he says, 
We need to lay aside the old self, the who, this, the sin that is infecting our lives. We need to put that aside. And then the second thing he says then, is after we put that aside or begin to put that aside, he says in verse 23, he says, and that you may be, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So the first thing is to lay aside the old self, and then you need to be re- begin to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. This whole idea of renewed, or this whole idea of being renovated. Um, a couple years ago, my parents began to, to uh, they wanted to kind of renovate our bathroom. And uh, what they wanted to do, basically, is the linoleum in the floor had just it started to crack, you know, and it started to get kind of shabby looking. So they're just, they're just going to tear that linoleum up and put down tiles in the bathroom. And they thought, okay, it'd be a pretty easy job. Well, you know, maybe this weekend <laughs> we'll do it. And so they, okay, we'll do it. So they get out there on this weekend, and they begin to tear this linoleum up. And they begin to lay all these tiles on the ground. And uh, or they pick out the tiles. They didn't lay them down. They pick them out, and they're all getting excited to do it. So they tear the linoleum up, and they look on the linoleum, and underneath there is all these rotted boards. A couple rotted boards, like the plumbing had leaked, everything, there's been rotted boards. So they thought, well, while we have the linoleum up, we might as well, you know, replace these few boards. So they do that. And they, they realize that... Um, this plumbing's been leaking, so the new boards they put down there are going to get just as rotted as the old ones. So they go, oh, okay, we've got to bring a guy in and fix the plumbing, so they do that. And they say, oh, well, to match the, the tiles on the floor, let's put some tiles in the, in the bathtub. So they do that, and, then, and I'm not kidding. You guys know Scott Foster. You, got, you asked him after this. When I came home for Christmas break two years ago, I walk in, and the whole wall is gone. I walk in. Normally there's a wall right when you walk in our door. It's gone. There's a big hole right there. Because they had just been, they started with the linoleum and it just spread to the whole bathroom. And in fact, they had, they had begun to tear up all these things. And now they had this huge job and it took them like a year or something to get this stuff. But, it, you know, looks nice now. It's green and kind of matching and everything. But the, the whole point is it took them a long time to do it. It took them a long time. And they started off very simple with this, this linoleum. And this whole idea of when Paul says, be renovated, it's the same kind of deal. It's saying, it's saying start at the linoleum the, the and, and then just keep continuing out until you completely renovate your whole mind. Can, can you, you take out all the old stuff that was in there and you put in the new stuff, which is God's word, his truth. So that's the idea that Paul is saying here. What does he mean by spirit? Just this, just your spirit, just your, your, your mind, your soul. Um, just who you are, your whole person. Um, just be renewed with this this whole person that you that you are in Jesus Christ is what he's saying. So then we see that that Paul says, lay aside your old self. He says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And next, in verse twenty four, he says, and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. So, go back to our Mr. Rogers illustration for a minute. Do you remember that? He went out and he, he took off this jacket and he put on the sweater. You know, and he, he took off his shoes and he put on the slippers. It's what Paul's saying. He's saying, take off this old self and put on this new self, which has been created in the likeness of Jesus Christ. And that's the whole point that Paul's saying. When he was saying up here of how not to walk, he was saying, do not walk this way because Christ didn't walk this way. 
And your goal, remember, your goal is Jesus Christ. And if you're going to walk, and if your goal is going to be to live towards Jesus Christ, you need to put on what He's created. And how He is, you need to also be. And so that's the idea. This new self is just this new person that you are in Jesus Christ. And you need to put that on. Um, It says, put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Who we are, this, the, the new people that we are in Jesus Christ, is, uh, is who God is. We've been created in his, in his image. We've gotten a little piece of who God is, and He's created that inside of us when we came have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, when, when you were growing up, did, you, did your mom ever tell you, did you ever hear this from your mom? It's for your own good. Do you remember this one? you remember this little statement? My mom did that to me sometimes. She would say, I'm um, playing outside, and it's, you know, it's kind of 5 o'clock, and fog's starting to come in. And she's saying, Mark, get, grab a jacket, put a jacket on. Oh, why, Mom? I don't need a jacket. You know, you're playing, you're kind of, you know, sweating or anything. So I don't need a jacket, Mom. Why do I put a jacket on? It's for your own good. You know, and, and you sit down at the table, and, you know, you got to eat something. You don't even know what this is. You know, it's some kind of green vegetables or something and she's saying eat this and you're like why i don't i don't want to eat that it's that's not that's not something that appeals to me it's not something that i really want to eat and she's saying uh why do i gotta eat it mom and she says it's for your own good it's for your own good um you know you're sitting you're doing a math problem you know you're and and you're like oh my goodness when am i ever going to use this ken harvey and uh and and you're like i'm never going to use this again why do I got to do this math, Mom? And she's like, it's for your own good. It's for your own good. I remember hearing that. You guys all remember hearing that one time or another, whatever the circumstances were. And uh, we didn't really understand that. I never understood that as a kid, why I had to do some of these things. And, uh, but our parents knew. Our parents knew why. Um, my mom knew why what was best for me. And that's the same with God. He knows what's best for us. We may not understand why he's telling us to do something, or when we read his word, we might not understand something that he's telling us to do, to go on a missions trip. We don't understand why, how he can use me on the missions field, to preach in chapel. We might not understand how he can use me to do that. But I, you know, you, you have to be able to just say, okay, God, um, I know you have my best interest in mind, and I'm going to do that because I'm created in, in the likeness of God. Not only did he create us, he created us to be like him. That's incredible. That's incredible truth. And finally then, it says, we've been created in the righteousness and the holiness of the truth. What truth? The truth that's in God. The truth that's in His Word. Um, that's the truth He's talking about. The truth that, that we may not understand at times, but it's the truth that He's given us to apply to our lives. And so, when I was, when I was reading through this passage... And I was uh, studying through it, and uh, I, I began to, to really, truly be convicted on how I'm walking. Um, you know, I, I know there's sin in my life, and, uh, and some sin I, you know, I even choose to live in at times. And it's challenging when you read a passage and you study a passage and God's telling you, don't, don't live in that sin, don't walk in that, walk like Jesus Christ. And it's convicting, and, and, and 
And so you kind of say, well, you know, okay, God, I'll try. And that was kind of what I was, where I was at. I was like, well, okay, God, I'll try. I'll try to walk and um, who you are. And I would like to allow your truth to conform my life to who you are. But it's hard. It was hard for me. <clears throat> and that's my challenge that goes out to you guys today. If, um, if you leave here, um, leave with this truth. That God is calling you to live according to this truth. Um, not, not to run away from it. Not when you hear the Holy Spirit convicting you to ignore it. Not to walk like the Gentiles walk, the ungodly, the pagan people. Don't walk that way. God's calling you to live a life that's in the likeness of Him, been created in His likeness and His truth. <clears throat> to do that, we need to constantly be renovating our minds with His truth, not just reading it because you know you look good if you get up, get up early and read your Bible. We'll see that and, and oh, he's a godly man, he's a godly gal. Nah, we don't, that's not why we do it. It's to renew our mind. It's to be able to take truth, put it in our mind, and let that begin to renovate, begin to start that process of change in our mind from the old self to the new self. That's why we read the Bible. That's why we read the Bible. If we continually do that, if, if we're renewing our mind, it's going to it's gonna make us conform our lives to the likeness of God, to Christ. And that's our goal, right? To, to read this truth, put it into life, put it in our lives, renew our minds, it's going to lead us to be more like Jesus Christ, and that's our goal. It's our goal as Christians to be like Jesus Christ, right? So, if, you know, I don't know where you guys are at this morning. I mean, there's people here that, that are, you know, they're doing good. They're doing right. You know, they're, they're, they're renewing their mind. They're bringing scripture into their mind and they're doing that. And there's people here that are, you know, we're, they're kind of, well, they're kind of doing that. You know, we've got a chapel and, hey, it's great. And there's people here that could care less about doing that, to be real honest. There's people sitting here that, that could care less about the Holy Spirit conviction of sin in their lives. They're living in that sin and they don't care. I know there's people here. The Lord convicted me uh, when, he was, when He was teaching me this passage uh, to take the sin that, that I knew that was in my life and take the sin that I didn't even know was in my life and to begin to pray about that and begin to renew my mind. So I would challenge you guys to do that. If, if, if you're feeling conviction um, from this, that, that you're not renewing your mind, don't run away from it. Don't just say, okay... You know, that was a great message. Let's go to lunch. Um, I really challenge you today to begin to, to understand why do you think God has challenged me to renew my mind? That's what I was asking. Those are the questions I was asking myself. Why did God lead me to this passage um, you know, a couple months ago? Why did, why did He begin to let me study it? Because I needed it at that time, and I still need it. And I think... If, if you need it this morning, if you need to be convicted over your sin, if you need to, to understand that this is the truth that we need to live in and walk in um, and, and use to incorporate 
and, and change and renew and renovate our mind, if this is what you need, then don't run away from it. Because, because you know, God's calling us to that. He's calling us to, to conform our lives to who He is. So, man, I, I would just say, go out. I would say, um, begin to understand in your place where you are right now, in your walk with Christ, am I walking like a Gentile? Am I walking like I used to be when I, when I was over here and when I was separated from God because I was born to a lifestyle of sin? Am I walking that way right now? Or am I over here? Has God taken me to the place where I'm walking in the newness of the relationship that He's given me with Jesus Christ? So go out and begin to pray about that. Begin to allow God to bring His truth and to renovate your mind. You stand and pray with me? You'll be dismissed. God in heaven, what a pleasure it is to be here today with you. Opening your word and, and hearing your truth, be convicted of your truth, Lord. We pray this morning that, that you'll allow us to, to understand what your plan is for us today, this day, this hour, and how we can incorporate your truth into our lives, how we can begin to renew our mind, and how we can allow you to, to bring us into the likeness of who you are and to Jesus Christ. Lord, begin to walk in the newness of our lives and the new relationship we have in you. Lord, just our prayers this morning that we'll be um, men and women that are filled with the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And that we'll be men and women filled with the truth of your word. Lord, as we go out now, let us have productive conversations. Allow um, our day to be governed by you. Lord, we just thank you for the time that we could spend this morning looking in your Praise in Jesus Christ, in the precious name.